Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. On today's show, we're going to learn about the caregiver program at the Minneapolis VA and meet a new Beyond the Yellow Ribbon Company. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking, a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey. In 1914, a Blackfoot Indian named Red Fox James rode horseback across the country seeking approval for a day to honor American Indians. On December 14, 1915, he presented endorsements from 24 state governments at the White House. But despite his best efforts, a national day was never proclaimed. That changed in 1990 when President George H.W. Bush proclaimed November as National American Indian Heritage Month. Every year since 1994, Americans celebrate what is now known as Native American Heritage Month. As we recognize their vibrant culture, we must also remember the painful history they've endured. Despite centuries of forced assimilation and injustice, Native Americans held on to their traditions and languages. That kind of perseverance proved vital in World War II when Native American code talkers helped turn the tides of battle by providing rapid and undecipherable communications. On behalf of the Minnesota National Guard, please join me in celebrating and remembering the invaluable contributions of Native Americans throughout the history of our nation. Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. As we said at the opening, uh, we're going to talk today about the caregivers program at the Minneapolis VA. And joining me to do that is Jill Vinge, who is the program manager and supervisor of the caregiver support program at the Minneapolis VA. And Jill, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you. Happy to be here. You've been with us a couple of times, I think, in person once and during the pandemic. Uh, we had to do that all electronically. Great to have you back in the studio. Yeah, it's great to be here. So we want to talk today about uh, the Caregiver Support Program at the Minneapolis VA, which you are the program manager and supervisor of. Can you tell us what you do and what is the program all about? A little history of it. Yeah, happy to share that. We, um, well, as my role as the program manager and supervisor, I oversee the program and the day-to-day runnings and make sure we have things in place so that we can be fully running. Uh, As a program, uh, the Caregiver Support Program is a national program. So you'll find this program at any VA across the nation. And our programs offer clinical services to caregivers of eligible and covered veterans enrolled in VA healthcare system. So our program's mission is to promote the health and well-being of family caregivers who care for our nation's uh, veterans through education, resources, support, and services. So let's back up a little bit. I think you've been at the V for how long now, a VA? Uh, 11 years I've been there. 11 years. And how did you, where were you before that and how did you get to the VA? So I did right, uh, I'm a social worker and right out of undergrad, I worked as an adoption social worker for about six or seven years and then went back to grad school and went to get my master's of social work at the University of Minnesota. And when I was at the University of Minnesota, I did my internship at the Minneapolis VA healthcare system. And so when I graduated, I was offered a position there, and I've been at the VA since. So what what attracted you and what kept you at the VA? Did you like working with the veterans? I loved it. You know, I loved it more than I thought I would. I think the original attraction to the Minneapolis VA was really family and friends who I've had in the military and curiosity about military and veteran and culture, but also wanting to do my part in helping, knowing I myself am not a veteran and this is a way I could contribute and um, be hopefully of help to veterans after they're out of the service. 
So, Jill, we see uh, with some of the veterans out there that they come over, they get to, once they're eligible, they get their health care at the VA as they age sometimes. Uh, their physical condition and maybe their medical, mental condition deteriorate some. And is it is it the desire of the VA and, and I assume the families to keep the veteran at home as long as possible? Absolutely. Yep. And uh, we can talk in more detail about the various programs we have, but absolutely, I think that is the biggest mission of this program in particular is to help those helping veterans to keep veterans in their home and at their highest capacity. And of course, that looks puts a lot of pressure on on the caregiver we're talking about today, and a lot of times that's the spouse. And uh, I would guess that a lot of those spouses, when they were married or whatever their job might have been when they were working, probably weren't trained to be a caregiver. So, what type of help uh, can the VA give to those to those caregivers when they find themselves in that position? We have a lot of programs and offerings. One of our programs is the program of general caregiver support services. This is a program that's really grown, especially in the last couple of years, that a lot of people aren't familiar with. So I'm glad you asked that. In this program, we have some services that are offered throughout the nation. But then here in Minneapolis, we've done a lot of great services that we've created on our own, too. And that may look like just being an, um, somebody to lean on and listen to. So hearing caregivers and their concerns, providing resources. But we also have a variety of support groups, psycho um, Uh, educational groups as well, Uh, mentoring, peer mentoring programs so that caregivers can have a mentor of somebody else who's walked in their shoes before, who have been a caregiver as well themselves. And um, we do self-care courses, lots of different things that we do to help caregivers and help support them in supporting veterans. We're speaking to Jill Vinge about the uh, uh, caregiver support program at the Minneapolis VA and Minnesota Military Radio. So, Jill, as as in a typical case, as the veteran maybe deteriorates a little bit, and then the and the spouse has to become the caregiver, do you do you think all of those uh, new time caregivers understand that if they need help, how to do this? They just need to get a hold of the VA, and and you'll be there to help them uh, with a lot of things: how to figure it out, how to do it, how to get some assistance. Absolutely. You know, and there's caregivers of all different types. I think we automatically think of spouse, but we see a lot of caregivers that are children um, and even some parents who are caregivers of their children, their children, their child is the veteran. And so the parent is the caregiver of their adult child, or now the child is the caregiver of, caregiver of their parent. And that transition of roles can be really challenging. So I wanted to point that out as um, some people listening may be experiencing that. Uh, But as far as um, how to get connected, absolutely. They can give us a call. They can look on our website. And uh, one of the best things to do is to just call us and we can talk through what their situation is and where their concerns are, where their struggles are. And then we can help direct them to any of the services or resources that are available to them. Now, that might be VA resources, but there's also a lot of really great resources in the community. So we don't exclusively talk about what we do at the VA. We also talk about a lot of the great work that the community does um, and make sure that caregivers are connected to those appropriate parties as well when there's something that would be helpful for them. So if we find ourselves in a position where, oh, my, I've got a veteran I need to start taking care of, I can call the VA and get a little coaching and 
And if we need some help, if they need like a nurse to come out or some of those things, are you able to also help provide those type of resources? So that's actually separate from our program. So our program, the way I describe it is think about we are there to help the caregiver. So if the services for the veteran, most always the best place to go is their primary care provider. And they will help get in a referral for home care, like you mentioned, or for other services available to the veteran. That's not to say if somebody calls us and asks for help, we'll talk them through that as well. Where do you go for all these different services? Sometimes people don't know home care is a thing, so we'll tell them about it and where to go to how to access it. I think the information and the knowledge of what is available is, is probably the thing that most people are looking for. And, and as you say, the primary care doctor can usually do some of that, but just call the VA. Somebody will help you or call the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs at one eight 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 link vet and they'll help you find the resources available. But there is help available to take care of your veteran and, and make sure they, they live the best life possible for as long as possible, correct? Exactly. And I would say at all different levels of caregivers, Some sometimes people think of people who are really doing a lot of heavy caregiving. Even if it's um, lighter caregiving, we can still help. So really, again, if it's a caregiver who could really use some help, we're here for all different levels of caregiving and types of caregivers. And I imagine you sometimes get some questions. Uh, the, the caregiver might call up and say, my veteran's changed. He seems depressed. He's drinking more. Some things are happening. What should I do? And the answer, I would think, is ask him, how are you feeling? Are you thinking about suicide? Because there's help available to prevent that too as well, right? Yes. So when caregivers call with concerns like that, we will absolutely coach them through how to talk to the veteran about concerns like that. And also, again, what resources are available and how to connect with their care team to try and get them in to be seen. Oftentimes when it's sudden like that, you know, it could be a number of things that could be causing it. And so coming in to see your provider is really important too. Well, that's very good. I think the message for the first segment here is uh, help is available. Don't be afraid to call the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs or call the VA hospital directly and, and ask them what you need to know. Uh, Jill, we have to take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk about some changes to the caregiver program. Uh, this is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been talking to Jill Vingy, who is the program manager and supervisor of the Caregiver Support Program at the Minneapolis VA and Jill, uh, I think you were on here talking a couple of years ago about caregiver program and how things work and what's available to help take care of our veterans. I understand there were some changes in, in just last month, in October 2022. Can you walk us through that? Yeah. You know, we we had another expansion and our last expansion. So we I'm going to rewind just a little bit and say when our program was first created for our comprehensive assistance program, which is one of our two programs, the general program is what I spoke of earlier with the support groups and such. Then we have our um, program of comprehensive assistance for family caregivers. That program was started back in 2010, but it was only open to post-9-11 era veterans. In 2015, a mission act for the VA was passed, which did a lot of things, but one of those things was expanded this caregiver support program. And the first phase of that expansion hit on October 1st, 2020. What it did is it it changed how the regulations looked for eligibility in the program, but also changed it to be open to the era of May 7th, 1975 and older, so Vietnam era older. And then phase two expansion, which is what you asked me about, October 2022, filled that gap between 75 and 01. So now I'm really excited to share that our comprehensive program is open to all eras of veterans now. So all of those changes were 
really it was for the, the World War II and the older veterans, and then they added more, and recently now it's open through veterans that, uh, what did you say, 2001? It's open through all for all veterans now. For all veterans. Mm-hmm. So did you get a, did a flood of people asking for help as soon as this happened? Absolutely. You know, we had this program for 10 years before they opened it up to other eras. So for 10 years, it was only post-9-11 era veterans. So countless questions and concerns around why isn't this program open to other eras of veterans? So this passing of the Mission Act was really something that we've been asking for so that this is a program that can be offered for all veterans. Well, that makes sense. And and does it still cover everybody that's a, all the veterans that are alive, even the old guys older than me? It does. That's the great thing. They, it covers <laughs> everybody now. That's very good. And, of course, uh, my fellow Vietnam veterans are getting to an age where they might need some help pretty soon, and, and their caregivers may need some help. So I'm glad you're there to take care of them. Now, if you've if you've got a veteran at home, and we I mentioned in the first segment that as you get older, I see some veterans, and I know some veterans, that things just get tougher and tougher year over year. And and if the if the uh, the goal is to keep them at home and keep them in the best shape possible for as long as possible, then they're inevitably going to need some help. And, and is that where they come to you, or is that where they go to? Who do they talk to first when they say, "I can't do this anymore. I need some help." Yeah, so we have two main programs in our caregiver support program. Our program of general caregiver support services, that's a program that's open to any caregiver of a veteran who's enrolled in VA healthcare system. So anybody, no matter what level of help they need, caregiver or veteran, can call and enroll in that program. Then we have our program of comprehensive assistance for family caregivers, and that has really specific eligibility criteria. That's what was most impacted by the Mission Act. And that is where, you know, now it's open to all eras. Veterans need to be 70% service-connected or higher to apply. And then what I call my elevator speech, if somebody's interested in that program, is if the caregiver were not to be home for a couple hours or especially overnight, would the veteran need a higher level of care? Would they need to go to a nursing home facility or adult day? If so, I would really urge the caregivers to look at this comprehensive assistance program because there are a lot of extended benefits if you apply and get enrolled into that program to include a monthly stipend that helps offset maybe costs of having somebody else come help in the home or maybe having to or no longer being able to work because you're caring for the veteran Um, to also include mental health services and um, health insurance. So that comprehensive assistance program is one you can apply for online right on our website at caregiver.va.gov. But for the general program to get resources for the caregivers, again, the one that's open to everybody, you can just call us and we'll get you enrolled and talk to you about what kind of things we can help you with. We're speaking with Jill Vinge about the caregiver support program at the Minneapolis VA on Minnesota Military Radio. Jill, uh, before the pandemic, uh, the Minneapolis VA was one of, I think, only two VAs in the country that had an adult daycare program, and it was interrupted a bit by the pandemic, I, as I recall. Is that back open again? It is not open. However, we do have a lot of great community partners that we connect veterans with to um, help assist in them going to adult day. Okay. So you said uh, we've got a couple of classifications of eligibility. You've got a general support program that's kind of open to most, but then if you have a 70% or more disability, then there's more help available. Is that what you were saying? Um, yeah. So the the classes and everything that I mentioned are for everybody. The more help, as you said it, 
is uh, the added benefits like a monthly stipend payment uh, and some of the other things I mentioned earlier, like mental health supports, health insurance, things like that. So that's really, again, that elevated piece of helping the caregiver keep the veteran in the home. And sometimes that means that the caregiver needs an extra, you know, some financial assistance in that because they're no longer working. So you have a child of a veteran who has to stay home or who is staying home to help the veteran. We want to financially support that to keep the veteran in the home. On the flip side, if that person had to go to work and the veteran had to go to a nursing home, right? So the financial helps keep the veteran in the home. Well, it certainly makes sense if the caregiver can't uh, get normal hours in because they're staying home to take care of the veteran. If we can help them with some of the finances, then then they can continue without going broke. And, and that wouldn't be a good result, would it? Exactly. That's exactly it. So we, the eligibility is a question. And, and for our listeners, uh, we've said this many times, but if a, if you have a veteran or you're a veteran yourself and you have some type of uh, problem related to your time in service and you haven't filed a claim, go see your county veteran service officer, tell them what's going on, tell them it, uh, try to establish it was uh, related to your service in the military, They'll help you file a claim. Once you file a claim and that's been accepted, which could take a little time, then you then you have access to the Minneapolis VA healthcare system, and then they can call you and do all these things. If we have veterans that aren't uh, uh, members of the of the VA yet and aren't established as disabled, is there anything you can do for them? Yeah, certainly we get calls from veterans and caregivers regularly who aren't enrolled yet. And we help them with that process. So still call us. If you're a caregiver of a veteran and you don't know if they're enrolled or they're eligible or not, if you need help, give us a call. And we'll help you get enrolled in the VA system and get connected to all the care that the veteran needs, but also help support the caregiver. If by chance they're not eligible for VA health care services, that's especially when we refer to the community and help talk through some great community resources that may be available to assist them. So once again, whether you file a claim or not, you can call the Minneapolis VA Medical Center and somebody will walk you through what's available and, and how to get there. Or you can call the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs at one eight 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 link vet Now, if if you're out in the community and you and you have a relative or a friend or a neighbor and, and you know that uh, uh, they're giving care to a veteran, how can how can just the community help in that case? You know, that I'm so glad you asked that because I think sometimes when somebody is a caregiver, we first of all don't necessarily see all that they're doing, but we don't know what to do. And so sometimes that results in not doing anything, right? So I think first and foremost, ask them what they need. Ask them what would be helpful for them. And that might look like you asking to come over and visit with the veteran. Can you come over and even just sit and watch their TV show with them or play a card game or take them for a walk? whatever that may look like, so the caregiver can have some time to themselves. Or ask the caregiver, what what do you need? You know, can I help you run errands? Maybe they're not comfortable leaving home. Can you run some errands for them and bring them groceries or make them a meal? Um, or maybe just as simple as bringing over some cookies and having some coffee with the caregiver so yes. they've got someone to talk to about things other than constantly taking care of the veteran. Yeah. And, you know, as certain diseases progress, too, there's less adult conversation. And so that's really helpful for caregivers, too, sometimes is to have somebody to speak to. Mm-hmm. Jill, we're running out of time. I'm glad you've joined us in the in the studio. Uh, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners about the caregiver program? I just urge any caregivers that are listening to veterans to give us a call and see what we have to offer. We, we have a lot of really, really great services, especially developed in the last couple of years that we'd love to get you connected with. 
And probably remind them that we have services for mental health issues and for suicide prevention and all of those things. So keep an open mind. And if you see anything, you have any any concerns, just give you a call and, and you'll connect them to the right people. Absolutely. Jill, thanks for joining us again today. Thank you. That was Jill Vinji, the program manager and supervisor of the Caregiver Support Program at the Minneapolis VA. Please stay with us. When we come back, we're going to meet a new Beyond the Yellow Ribbon company. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. In a moment, we're going to meet a new Beyond the Yellow Ribbon company. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now, here's Commissioner Larry Herkey. As we celebrate Native American Indian Heritage Month, I want to take a moment to talk about our Native American veterans here in Minnesota. Native Americans have one of the highest rates of military service per capita of any ethnic group. The Department of Defense's research found that as a high percentage has been in part due to their cultural attributes, strength, honor, devotion, pride, and wisdom. In fact, 25% of the able-bodied adult Native Americans enlist in the armed forces, compared to 3% for the general population. Yet, less than 50% of the eligible Native American veterans apply for benefits they have earned. The Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs Tribal Veterans Service Officer Program operates in partnership with the governmental and tribal agencies, the Governor's Office, the Minnesota State Legislators, and the Minnesota Native Americans Nations. We are grateful to the Native American veterans for their service and sacrifice to this great nation. To get in touch with a Tribal Veteran Service Officer near you, visit minnesotaveteran.org. Thank you, Commissioner Herkey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. As I said uh, at the opening, we're going to meet a new Yellow Ribbon Company, Deluxe Corporation, an old uh, name in the Twin Cities area and a a name that many of you are familiar with is now a Yellow Ribbon Company. And joining us to talk about that is Mark Chapman, who is the Executive Director of Creative Services at Deluxe. Mark, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to be here today. Mark, I understand you served in the United States Navy. Yes, sir, I did. I uh, was a post-9-11 recruit. I went in uh, through a a non-prior service uh, program where they were accepting older recruits. I actually went through Great Lakes um, at at the age of 34, um, and uh, it was a tremendous— The old man at the training center. uh, Yeah, I was was grandpa to to most of the guys there, but, um, you know, it was important to me— to show my kids that uh, I didn't want them to do anything uh, that they weren't expected to do, and so to raise my hand after post you know, after nine eleven and and sign up, uh, it was a great privilege for me to serve. Uh, I served um, um, with the Joint Intelligence Command Pacific Fleet um, at the nine thirty fourth, and uh, it was a great experience. So thank you. Well, congratulations and thanks for your service. Now I'm taking a look at your bio here, and I see that uh, you've got some. Interesting life experiences, firefighter at the Oregon Department, Oregon Department of Forestry, and uh, something about uh, fishing in Alaska. You've been around a little bit. Yes, sir. I read uh, too many Jack Kerouac books as a kid, and, and I was craving experiences. And so I um, um, uh, was able to, on a, on a whim, go up to Alaska, Cordova, Alaska, and, and walk the docks and, and get on board uh, with the, the Salmon Seiner fleet. And I did that for for part of a season, and uh, it was it was quite a shock. We worked twenty four hours a day, and our first day out, we caught uh, sixty four thousand pounds of of salmon. 
I'm getting tired just thinking about that one, Mark. <laughs> That'll be a long day. And then you got into uh, marketing and worked with some sports teams. Tell us, how did you get to uh, Deluxe Corporation? Because you now serve as the executive leader of creative services for Deluxe. Yes, sir. It's my privilege to uh, lead a very talented team of, of creative people. We support marketing that helps drive revenue and results for for Deluxe. Um, I also get a chance to um, serve my fellow veterans as the uh, leader of the employee uh, resource group for veterans. Now, Mark, becoming a uh, yellow ribbon company takes a lot of time. Uh, why do you think the Deluxe uh, thought the investment of that time and effort to become yellow ribbon was important to the leaders over there? Uh, it's uh, tremendously important to the leadership. Um, recently, we have gone through a rebrand. We're a hundred and seven-year-old manufacturing company uh, that invented the checkbook and is um, uh, reinventing itself into be a relevant fintech. And part of that was a rebranding, which I was brought on board, and, and there's a new executive leadership team over there. And we're redefining the, the company and making it relevant. Um, our brand promise is to be champions for business so communities thrive. And being a yellow ribbon company really doubled down uh, our commitment to the community so that, uh, you know, our company and communities thrive. And, um, you know, there's about 20,000 troops that are currently serving in Minnesota today. Being a yellow ribbon designated company helps us tap into that and, and really bring on some very talented people. Uh, Mark, becoming a yellow ribbon company, you have to make some commitments. And one of them is that the, you're going to reach out and try to hire veterans. How's that going at Deluxe? Uh, it's it's going well. It's not going as as well as we would like it to. And part of part of why I'm here is I'm trying to up our efforts. Um, currently, we have about 2.8 percent of our of our employee population that is self-identified as a veteran. Our goal is is six percent. My personal goal is is to bring us up uh, to closer to 10 percent. We're speaking with Mark Chapman about the uh, Deluxe Corporation being a becoming a yellow ribbon company on Minnesota Military Radio. Mark, uh, we were talking off the air, and, and you told me that uh, your family lives in Texas and you spend a lot of time working remote. Does Is Deluxe the type of company that a uh, large percentage of the employees can, can work remotely? Yes. Um, the, when I first started at Deluxe, I left San Antonio and drove up. It was 87 degrees when I left San Antonio, and I got here, and it was minus 12. Um, my, my, the, for the first part of my career at Deluxe, I was spending about three weeks in Minnesota and one, one week in, in Texas. COVID-19 kind of changed things, and we became permanently remote. Um, we do have hub cities in Atlanta, Kansas City, and Minnesota, and about half of my staff is, is considered permanent and remote. But we do get together uh, occasionally to, uh, you know, usually every quarter. I come up once a month to uh, rally the troops and, and check in. Now, Mark, uh, I've grown up and lived in Minnesota my whole life and kind of grew up with the checks from Deluxe. Where we were getting them since I was a, a young man. And, and, of course, banking has changed, and a lot of that is, is uh, uh, technological now and online. And, and I would imagine the demand for those checks have, have gone down. And you said that the company is, is changing and evolving. Can you, can you kind of sum up what is it that Deluxe – is doing now. I'm sure you're still doing the checks, but that's probably become a small portion of, of what the company does. Well, uh, checks checks is a big deal to us. Um, there is an overall attrition rate. Uh, people just aren't writing as many checks. They're they're not they're not going away. It's just people just aren't writing as many checks. And so 
the the challenge for us is how do we become a relevant fintech versus a, more of a manufacturer. And we've we've done some really great things. Uh, Barry McCarthy, an excellent CEO, has come in um, with a with a big background in payments. And um, you know, Deluxe processes a lot of transactions. About thirty percent of all transactions in the U.S. go through Deluxe, and we have a lot of big uh, government contracts. And um, we 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 make a lot of money in a lot of different ways, and and it's not just checks. So we're talking about electronic payments, that type of thing. Electronic payments, lockbox, treasury management, uh, all those sort of things. Yes. And you've mentioned a couple of times fintech. Can you explain what that means to me? Uh, financial technology, right? So um, our, you know, a manufacturer. We used, you know, we invented the checkbook. We print and mail checks. Um, going into more of a digital world, it's more of a financial transaction. You know, the the world, like you alluded to, has has changed, and financial transactions are much more immediate and digital. And and Deluxe is rising to to the challenge to meet the demand. So technology has been changing everything, and it's changing quicker and quicker as we go. So you're trying to be one of the bigger, better uh, resources available to the to the banking system and the in the financial industry. Yes, sir. Like I said, about thirty percent of all transactions in the United States goes in some way through Deluxe. The market working for a, a great old company that's uh, evolving and staying relevant. How does it feel to you knowing that they've made an effort and they've made a commitment to hire veterans? Uh, it's a tremendous uh, honor uh, for me uh, being a veteran and, and uh, being part of the workforce, um, knowing that our our commitment to the community is sincere from the CEO all the way down. The yellow ribbon designation is is truly important, and it's, in, it's, it's especially important in terms of recruiting, hiring, um, military and being attracted uh, uh, by military to uh, come in and and uh, be part of our workforce. You know, we also do other things besides beyond the yellow ribbon. Like uh, we're partners with uh, Wounded Warrior Project, with American Corporate Partners. Um, we're a we're a, a designated employer with the Veterans Index, and we're we're doing a lot of things to really reinforce our commitment to the community. Um, but um, the yellow ribbon commitment is is our, our best and brightest designation. Mark, we have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Mark Chapman, Executive Director of Creative Services at Deluxe on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We're speaking today with Mark Chapman, who is the Executive Director of Creative Services at Deluxe. And, Mark, uh, when we opened the, the uh, last segment, uh, we talked about the fact that you joined the Navy and as I recall, when I joined the Air Force, there was a bunch of, you know, 18-year-old kids, and we're all about the same age. And uh, I wonder, two questions, what made, what caused you to, to join the Navy at 34, and what in the world did the drill instructors think when they saw you with all those young people? It, it was interesting. Like I said, it was uh, Great Lakes in the wintertime. Uh, it was a tremendous experience. I didn't join at 34. I joined post-9-11, but I ended up going uh, um into boot camp at 34. Um, I was part of a program called MPS, non-prior service, where they were taking um, can, you know, recruits at, a, at an advanced age. Um, and, you know, any time you're, you're past 21, you're considered a grandpa in, in the military, especially going through boot camp. Uh, it was a tremendous experience. It was actually very easy at 34 years of age. 
You you understand that it's quickly a mind game, and all you have to do is follow directions to a T. And and there are very few distractions. And if you can follow directions well, you're you're uh, you're going to be okay. So you stayed out of trouble, and they and they accepted you pretty quickly. Correct. And and I was actually part of a res, uh, reserve unit that went through. So a lot of us were uh, late twenties, early thirties, and um, you know the the petty officers. Uh, gave us uh, quite a hard time about being advanced in age. Most of us were older than the than the petty officers that were that were training us. I can see them. You old guys, get down and show me some push-ups, if you know how to do that anymore. I could just see it. Absolutely. So you said your motivating factor was nine eleven two thousand one, and and you wanted to serve your country and show your kids how that works. That's absolutely true. I I wanted to be an example to my two sons about. Uh, you know, don't expect other people to do something that you're not prepared to do yourself. And so the opportunity came up um, uh, as a as a patriot to to serve my country after 9/11 with the MPS program. Uh, I volunteered. You know, um, my family has history uh, back to coming over to the United States from England in the 1600s. They settled in Maine, and I had a lot of family that that fought and died with the Maine militia in in the American Revolution. And uh, in every conflict since, uh, there's been a, there's been a chapman that has uh, been served as patriotic duty, and I was just next in line. I like to think that if there's a major conflict somewhere, the chapmans will be in the middle of it. Well, it sure sounds like it, and congratulations on uh, taking that on at, at the ripe old age of almost twice as old as I was when I went to the Air Force. Yes, sir. You're kind of going uphill or upstream here because you're the executive director of creative services. When I talk to marketing firms and all that, and we talk about creative guys, uh, they're usually at their best when they don't have any gray hair. How, how do you deal with that? <laughs> well, I've I've had a pretty diverse career. Uh, I've been blessed with having some really great jobs. Um, you know, um, a lot of times the the fresh ideas come from um, a marriage between youth and enthusiasm, and then old age and treachery. Right, and we kind of know how to avoid certain potholes and and how to get the best out of our people and. And, um, you know, creative ideas come from anywhere. It's just knowing how to, how to deliver good creative work that drives revenue and results, and that's what we do for, for Deluxe and my team. So, Mark, we've got to get back to uh, Deluxe being a uh, yellow ribbon company. Now that, you've, now that Deluxe has gone through that process and you're there and, and uh, you're, you are a yellow ribbon company, how do you think the executives feel about uh, having gone through that process? And what do you think they'd say if, if another company called up and say, thinking about being yellow ribbon, what do you think? Well, I think it's uh, any, any company um, that wants to go through it, I think it's a 16-step process. It's well worth the effort because you're getting highly qualified uh, veteran candidates into your workforce. Um, you know, like I said, there's 20,000 uh, troops that are serving in Minnesota today. There's 400,000 vets in Minnesota, um, and being able to tap into that and be be attractive to that population is is awesome. And um, you know, it's it's our desire to double down with our commitment to the community, and and part of that is is being a very veteran friendly company that um, recruits, retains, and and uh, brings brings veterans into the workforce. So I'm sure you've talked to other veterans that work at Deluxe. Are they pretty proud of the fact that they became Yellow Ribbon? It's it's a it's a huge honor for us to be part of that. Like I said, we do other programs, but the Yellow Ribbon program um, is a highlight. It's a it's a recent development, and we just need to um, 
leverage that relationship and keep building our population of, of veterans within our workforce. It's really great to see uh, corporations getting involved in the community and supporting the vets and you're smiling. So I think you like that about Deluxe. I do. I'm proud of the company that I work for and I'm proud that they support our efforts with the uh, Veteran Employee Resource Group and with hiring and recruiting and retaining uh, veterans. Mark, it's been great to learn about uh, you and uh, some of the ex- some of the adventures you've had in your life, like joining the Navy late. And uh, it's always great to hear about another Yellow Ribbon Corporation, in this case, Deluxe. Thanks for joining us today on Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here today. This is Mark Chapman, Executive Director of Creative Services at Deluxe Corporation. Joining me now from the flag line of the Minnesota Patriot Guard is Tim Leonhardt. Tim, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Tom. Tim, we're uh, well into November, and I would guess that means that uh, you've taken your motorcycle and uh, did whatever you have to do to it to, to winterize it and put it in storage. No, mine always sits in the garage on the on the battery tender, sitting on the floor waiting to go. You never know. There might be a, a nice day that there's snow in the ditches, but the roads are clear of ice, and you can go out for a little ride. Well, we want to talk about the Minnesota Patriot Guard now, and I think a lot of our listeners have the idea that uh, uh, everybody that uh, goes to uh, on your missions uh, has to ride a motorcycle, and of course, you can't do that all winter. No, 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 no. We're not a. It's not necessary to have a motorcycle to go to a mission. We want to be there to honor um, our fallen heroes, and it doesn't matter how we get there. You know, we can. Take a bus. We can drive cars. We have which we call cages, by the way, um, trucks, whatever we do. But we want to be there, no matter what the weather is. If it's snowing, we've been out in blizzards. We we enjoy the challenge. Um, we just want to be there to make sure that our fallen heroes get the honor, dignity, and respect that they deserve. So just like the mailman, weather doesn't matter in the wintertime. Nope. Uh, if, I, if I show up in my truck, you're going to call that a cage and welcome me yep. there and uh, put me on the line and, and we get to work. So oh, yeah. for the families, if they've lost a veteran, how do they go about requesting the Minnesota Patriot Guard to come to the funeral? All you need to do is go to our, site, our website, mnpatriotguard.org, and on the left side, it's there's a, there's a little box that's, you click on it says request the Patriot Guard and just follow what the instructions are and uh, somebody will contact you and we'll we'll be there. You know we we do need about 48 hours. Uh, we've done missions a little sooner than that, but it's it's difficult to get the word out and get everybody organized in less than 48 hours. 48 hours is a really good number for us. So Tim, what would you have to say to those families if they were reluctant to ask? the Patriot Guard to come out and stand the flag line because of inclement weather, because it's really cold or because of the snow, your riders want to be there. Well, our riders want to be there. We want to be there to honor our fallen heroes. They gave those, those heroes gave so much to our country and to us personally. You know, if, you know, one of my, one of my favorite bumper stickers I saw, it was, if you can read this, Thank a teacher, and underneath it it said, and if it's in English, thank a thank a soldier. Yep, that's a good one. I've seen that. So your your response to those families is, our riders want to come, yes. and it's all about honor, dignity, and respect. 
Yes. Please go to our website and ask us to come, and, and we'll go out to our writers and, and uh, get them together and come. Tim, we just got a few seconds left. Okay. Who's eligible to become a writer for the Minnesota Patriot Garden? Anybody is eligible. All you need to, is a 3 by 5 flag and to honor the, our fallen heroes. So you just need a good heart and a 3 by 5 flag and yep. a way to get to, the, to these funerals, and it yep. doesn't have to be on a motor scooter. No. No, we don't. We, you don't need to be a veteran, and you don't have to ride a motor scooter. All right, very good. And uh, your missions this year uh, slowed down a little bit. Uh, a little bit right now, but I think that's because they, people are don't want to intrude on our lives and to make us ride our motorcycles in the in the cold and the wet and the snow. And we, we'll come, no matter how we can get there. Tim, I've never seen you seen you in a cage, but I know you got one. <laughs> I do. All right, so your writers are happy to come, just yep. like the mailman. Any kind of weather, yep. go to our website, ask us to be there, and we'll come out and and be there for your veteran that you've lost. Yes. Tim, it's always great to talk to you on the radio. Thanks for joining us again today. Okay, thank you, Tom. That was Tim. Honor. That was Tim Leonhart from the flag line of the Minnesota Patriot Guard. We have one very important mention today, and that is Beyond the Yellow Ribbon and Meals from the Heart are partnering to provide groceries to those in need in our military community this Thanksgiving. The Food Box program has received only 25% of the funds needed to meet the increase in requests for assistance. To help, go to mnheroes.org. That's mnheroes.org. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week, Jill Vingy from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System, Mark Chapman from Deluxe Corp., Tim Leonhart from the flag line of the Minnesota Patriot Guard, Commissioner Larry Herkey of the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally, Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mackey. Please join us next week as we talk about the newest chaplain in the Minnesota National Guard and opportunities to work at the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons, and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this week. Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at minnesotamilitaryradio.com.